chapter 7, Luke chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're just going to read through verse 10, okay? Uh, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 10. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all of this, he's finished now the, uh, the Sermon on the Plain, uh, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus, and he sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you the truth, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house, and they found the servant well. I want to share three things with you this morning in our text. And here's the first. I want you to see this. Guys, you you may not feel worthy of Jesus, but if you call, he will come. You may not feel worthy of Jesus, but if you call, he will come. Okay? And, and here's, here's kind of the story. It's an interesting story, right? We have a centurion. Now, now, the best way we could understand, this is like a Roman army captain. That's who he is. He's kind of like a Roman army captain, and, and, uh, and, and he's in charge of a bunch of soldiers, kind of oversees it. And, and here we have this Roman army captain that, that we're kind of led in by Luke that evidently has a tender heart. This Roman army captain, supposed to be a hard guy, says that he has a heart for the Jews, that he's helped pay for the building of the synagogue, right? And, and, and not only that, he's got a servant that's, that's about to die, and, and he's upset. He loves this servant. Right? So Luke kind of lets us in. He shows us a little bit about this, this guy's heart. Now, he furthers that when he says that the Jewish elders come to Jesus. So, so here's the story. This centurion has heard about Jesus. Jesus has just been preaching. He's been healing. He's do, been doing great things in the area of Capernaum already. You remember? I mean, he's, he's healed uh, paralyzed people. He, he, he's healed the lame and the blind. He's done great things. And, and so, so this has made its way to the centurion. And evidently, the centurion believes that Jesus can do something for his servant. So he asks other Jewish people, because, you know, he's a Roman official. Uh, he, he's like a Roman army captain. He's not exactly a Jew. He kind of finds some of the Jewish leaders and says, hey, would you go ask this guy? Would you go ask this Jesus if he will come? I think he can, I think he can heal my servant whom I love. So, so they go, and, 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 and you can kind of think of the, the Jewish elders kind of like, well, well, they kind of got to talk Jesus into this is what they're thinking. Well, wait, well, listen, he really is a good guy. I mean, I know that he's like a, you know, like carries a sword and he's probably done some bad things, but he's a really good guy. He loves our people. He's helped pay for the synagogue here in Capernaum. He's a good guy. Jesus, you should go. And, and, then, and then here we have it, verse 6. Okay. I mean, that's basically Jesus' response. Okay, verse 6 says, so Jesus went with them, right? Jesus went with them. And, and so I just want you to see this. So the man calls and Jesus comes. 
That's the story to this point. Verse 5 and 6, the man calls and Jesus comes in. And of course, um, then as he's coming, Jesus is close to the centurion's house. Then the centurion sends his friends. So the Jewish officials have come. Now here come the friends. And here's the message that the friends say. Ready? It's a message from the centurion. No, please don't go any farther. Please, please, don't, please don't go any, any farther. Listen to the message. Lord, don't trouble yourself anymore, almost. For I do not, listen to his heart, I do not deserve to have you. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Now you could put a period here, uh, I, I do not deserve you. This is his heart. He's like, why, why, wait, wait, listen, no, 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 no. Like, I, I almost think the guy didn't think Jesus was going to come. Like, like he, he calls, but, but it's like all of a sudden he hears from some friends, no doubt. Oh, by the way, he's actually coming. And he's like, oh, wait a second. I don't deserve him. I don't deserve Jesus. I, I, I don't deserve to have him come under, under my home. He goes on. He says, that's why I didn't come to you in the first place, because I'm not worthy of you. Because I'm not worthy of you. Now, I want you to hear me why we're, we're, we're taking the time. There's a lot to this story. We're going to get to the rest of it. But we're going to pause here because I believe this with all my heart. This attitude of the centurion is something that we all struggle with still today. We struggle with whether or not we are good enough for God. With whether or not we are worthy enough for Jesus. This attitude of, no, 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 God. I, that's why I didn't come to you in the first place. I'm not, I'm not good enough for you. I'm not, I'm not worthy of you. And, and, and here's the lesson in this story. Like, like, like this guy saying, Jesus, I don't deserve you. I'm not worthy of you. And, and, and friends been doing this almost 16 years now. And I have had countless number of people tell me this exact thing. This is an attitude we struggle. Like, like, Jason, you don't understand. I'm just not good enough for God. If you knew what I had done, there's no way that God would want me. If you knew who I am, God, God I'm, not, I'm not worthy of God. They, they, they believe that. They, they've bought into that. They believe that wholeheartedly. Like, like I, I, I can't, God doesn't want anything to do with me. And, and, and listen, Here's the deal. Like, so this centurion, remember the Jewish people said, I, I like to ask questions. Do you ask questions when you read the Bible ever? Because that's how you really kind of get into some meat. So, so here's the deal. We know the Jewish elders said, no, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I vouch for him, right? He loves the Jews. He even helped pay the synagogue. Have you ever thought maybe why? I, and I'm not telling you, this is, you know, I, I, like to, I like to tell you when it's my opinion. I was thinking through it this week. I was praying through it this week. How do you think he got to be a, a, a centurion? How do you think he got to be a Roman army captain? You know how? Because he was really good at following people's orders. This is, I'm just going to tell you what I believe, and you don't have to believe this at all. This is just my two cents as I'm trying to get to maybe some of the heart motivation of why this guy helped pay to build a synagogue, of why this guy was so nice to the Jews now. See, I, I, I think to get where he was, he probably had to do a lot of unspeakable things. He says, I'm not worthy. There's something in his past that he's not proud of. He's had to do something. And let's face it, he's a soldier, right? And, and, and so, so I'm just telling you what I believe. I believe there are unspeakable acts that he was forced to do under order. And I believe, just my two cents, I believe that some of those unspeakable acts may have been to the Jews themselves. Because let's face it, it's not like the Jews said, Hey, Rome, why don't you come rule over us? Come on in, we'd like a landlord. There's probably opposition there. So I, I'm telling you, friends, I, I, I sense when I read the text, I, I sense a lot of guilt. I sense a lot of shame. And, and I believe that resonates with people that are in the pews today. Because I think a lot of us come to church, and when we roll out of bed, some of the reasons we don't want to come is because we feel 
that same kind of tug in our own lives. We have a great sense of, of shame, okay? We know what we've done. So, so the crowd, the Jews, the elders, they, they saw the good, but all the man saw were his faults and his failures, right? You ever been there? Somebody's like, oh, so-and-so is such a good person. And, and they're talking about you, and you're like, oh, you don't have a clue, sweetie. You don't have a clue. And so here's, here's the deal. We have this man... Everybody says he's good, but he knows, he, he says, I'm not worthy. But then we have Jesus. So the man's very aware of his sins. He's very well aware of all his failures. But here's Jesus. And guess what? Jesus isn't surprised either. Jesus knows every place that he's failed. He knows all of his faults. And here's Jesus. This sinner calls and Jesus comes. Knowing full well whose house he's going to, he comes. And guys, that's the lesson for us. That we need to learn. Listen, we, we are dirty and disheveled, and we do fail a lot. But when you call out to Jesus, he comes. He comes. Listen, that's the heart of the gospel, friend. Listen to how uh, Paul writes this in Romans. And, and, and the Apostle Paul in Romans, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not, not, not some of the people that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not those that got their act together will be saved. Not those that, that don't have any junk or baggage will be saved. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be saved, will be saved. Everyone that calls. A sinner is called and Jesus is coming. Say, I, I don't always like Paul. All right, well, we're reading Luke. So let's see what Luke says about it. Acts chapter 2. Oh, it's the same thing. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. This is the truth of God's word, friend. I, I don't know what your life is like right now. Maybe you're here and you walk through the doors. And, and that's honestly how you feel. You see, I, I'm just, I've done too much, man. I've done too much. Guys, we, we have people in, in our church that, that have had, they've been this guy. I've, I've counseled with people that have been this guy. And though they were following orders, they had to do things in the defense of our country that to this day they struggle with every single day. Because there are times when it's your job to pull a trigger to defend somebody and you don't wake up the next morning and feel good about your action. There are times that those things haunt you over and over and over and over. And those people that I love with all my heart, when I, when I listen to them, they have this sense of unworthiness, this sense that they are too dirty for God. But it's not just those people. It's people that have, have had struggles in their lives. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe there's an, an affair. Maybe, um, maybe they, they, they had some kind of crime in their past. And they, they just, you, you watch them, their whole body language, they're just not good enough. Can I, can I let you guys, if you feel that way, if you've ever felt you're not good enough, can I just share something with you? None of us are good enough. You can look to your left, and you can look to your right, and you may think that person has it all together. <laughs> I'm their pastor. They're a wreck. And you know what? I know that because I am a wreck. And here's the truth of the gospel. When wrecks call out to Jesus, he comes. He comes. Number two. <clears throat> Jesus still has the authority to speak change into our lives. Jesus still has the authority to speak change in our lives. I'm in verse 6. 
It says, so Jesus went with them. He, he wasn't far off from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. And, and that, that's why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go and he goes and that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. One of the things that that makes the centurion stand out apart from his faith is his understanding of authority. Like like if anyone is qualified to get authority, it's, it's a Roman army captain. And that's what's going to stand out here in a second. This is what's going to make sense to Jesus that other people don't get. This guy knows firsthand what authority means, right? Because authority means that you don't have to be person, uh, you don't have to be personally there, personally present to make something happen. That's what authority means, right? I don't have to be personally present to make something happen. I'm their boss and I say, hey, do this and they have to do that. That's what authority means. And this this centurion has seen in Jesus a man of great authority. That's what he sees. He's like, this guy can cast out demons. This guy can tell death to get out of here. This guy has, has, has authority. So he doesn't have to be personally present. He doesn't have to come and physically touch me. A man of authority doesn't have to do that. He just has to say the word. You should underline that in your Bible somewhere, say the word. That's important. He just has to say the word. Wait a second, how did everything get here? Oh, that's right, God just said the word. Right? That's what God did, he just just said the word. He said, well, all of my sin and all of my problems and all of my past, and how do I get rid of all of that? Like, like how do I become like God? How how can I be transformed? Well, he, he said the word, he said it's finished. He just said the word. That's an important phrase in our Bibles. We begin to study. That's what's astounding here. This centurion may not know that Jesus is the Messiah, but he knows that Jesus is a man that wields great authority. And so he sends his friends with a simple message. Jesus, please just say the word. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Just say the word and this mountain called death is going to have to go jump in the sea. Just say the word. And so friends, I would just ask you this morning, What area of your life needs healing today? What what area of your life today is on life support? What what area of your life is is near death and, and destruction? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship? Maybe it's a relationship with a with with a loved one in your family. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your children. It's on the brink. Maybe it's your job situation. Maybe it's your personal walk with Christ. It is on life support this morning as you walked in the doors. Listen to what I'm going to say to you, please. I know someone that can help you. And you don't have to wait until you're in heaven to be healed. Okay, because that, that, we've, we've bought into that, right? That, that, well, yes, one day, yeah, one day I am going to be like Jesus. One day I'm going to have the power to overcome and kick that, that addiction. One day, I mean, Jesus is going to be physically present to wipe away every tear. Hey, listen, we don't understand authority. We don't, we don't get what Jesus said in Matthew 28 when he says, all authority, Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. We live like our God only has authority in heaven. That's what we live like. And, and you may not like that. I'm not trying to offend you, but that's how Christians live, right? Well, one day it's all going to be better. 
Well, one day, Jesus will wipe away every tear. Well, one day, I'll, I'll be more like Christ. Well, one day, I'll no longer have this addiction or this problem or this sin issue. One day, in heaven, you know, later on, is your God, is, is your God the, the one that has all authority over heaven and earth? Or is he just the one that has authority over heaven? That's a real question. You've got you to get that figured out today. You've got to get that figured out today. If Jesus is who the Bible says he is, then he does not just have authority one day. He has authority today. That's it. We've got to get to that point that we believe that Jesus doesn't have to be physically present to, to physically, with his own physical finger, with the scar holes, be able to go, But he has the ability to speak that change into my life right now. Just say the word. Just say. I dare you. Read these ten verses again and you tell me if that phrase doesn't jump off the page to you. Just say the word. He still has that power. Number three. God's grace is amazing. Our faith can be too. God's grace is amazing. Our faith can be too. I love verse 9 and 10. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. (laughs) And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in all of Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and they found the servant well. Um, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. That word literally in Greek, it it means uh, marveled. I just want you to let that sink in for a second, right? That Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that according to Colossians currently holds everything together, right? People wonder like, how come the world doesn't fall apart? Are the ice caps really melting? Are we going to... No, you know why? Because Jesus physically, like, he's holding things together right now as we speak. Like, that's the reason, you know, people are like, oh, it's gravity. No, it's not. It's Jesus, okay? Because Jesus is the one that makes sure gravity works, all right? So let's be honest. The reason that your body is not exploding right now is because Jesus is holding you together and that's how powerful he is, okay? So let's give glory where it's due um, and Jesus who's doing this, like, like that guy is amazed. Can, can I just say, like, if that doesn't boggle your mind just a little bit, you might be broken, right? I mean, the one that said, let there be light. I mean, and now there's sun, and there's stars, and there's like meteors, and there's cool stuff. Like, when you, you, like, when's the last time you were amazed? I mean, I mean, I know we live in this culture where nothing surprises us anymore, but have you gone outside at night and looked up in Elgin? You can actually see stars. For somebody that was raised in Houston, Texas, man, we didn't have that. You could see like one. I think there's a star up there through the smog. Nope, it was an airplane. As a young child, I thought there were a lot of shooting stars. They didn't move very fast. Airplanes at night. Remember the first time I went out in the country to my, my parents or my grandparents' house, and I remember looking up, going, "Oh my gosh!" Like, cause you you know, in Houston, you think like three stars. That's a lot of stars. You look at them, you're like the whole like it's it's a blanket of stars. Yeah, and you know how that started? Let there be light. Billions of stars, four words. That's crazy. And so that guy, let's contextualize it, right? 
that guy, let there be light. Like, 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 listen, uh, sandcastle, be alive. <laughs> I think it's in there. Like, I just, no. <laughs> and, and, like, it's in there somewhere, right? That guy, that guy, that guy, let there be, that guy holds the oceans, tells them how far they can come, keeps us together. That guy is amazed. Freaks me out. It should freak you out a little bit. It's amazing. Only two places in all the Bible is Jesus ever amazed. It's here. And, and at one point, Mark 6, 6, he's amazed at, 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 at a group of people's disbelief. Some of you are amazed right now. Like, this guy's not. Listen. I want to tell you what this word means, okay? Because I had to think about it. Because this will wreck your theology if you think that Jesus is caught off guard. Because um, he knows everything. Um, and, and so we began to talk about this and, and I called a good friend. I was like, hey, let's walk through this because so, you don't just jump up in front of people and talk about really big, complex things without thinking it through. Otherwise, you're an idiot, um, and, which I am often, but we, we do try to do due diligence here. And uh, he said, you know, the best way I could kind of put it in a context, he said, so I'm like coaching my son's basketball right now. And he's got a you know, young son. He's like, so we work on plays over and over and over. Like, I'm coaching my son's soccer team. We do, they're like, ah, oh, practice is so boring. Well, when you get it, we can move on to something else, okay? Hey, what if church was that way? Yeah, we're done now, aren't you? Like, yeah, I'm not coming back to that sucker. Just come on back. Grace. <laughs> have grace. Have grace. Have grace. Every Sunday. Wait, Pastor, I'm tired of the same message. Well, do it. We'll gladly change. Love God, love God, love God. I heard the same thing last week. Yep, start doing it. We'll change, all right? So he's coaching his son's uh, basketball team. And he's working on, they work on the same plays, inbound plays. Because if you're in basketball, like you have set drawn up plays. Like soccer, not so much. I mean, we kind of have a few things that we do that are set. But basketball, like, hey, it's the end of the game. We're down by two. This is what we need you to do, okay? You're going to pass it in. Then everybody's going to set a pick. You're going to run around the pick. And then you're going to be open. He's going to throw you the ball. And then, and it's going to go right in. That's what's going to happen. And you try to coach that to like eight-year-olds, and oh my gosh. It's running into each other, smacking, falling down. So, so he's coaching this, and he says, like, listen, we're going to do this. This is how it's going to be, okay? And he even has a little whiteboard, and he draws it up. Okay, so you're going to go, you're going to inbound here, and then you're going to cut around this guy and come back around the pick. Like, you don't forget to set the pick, and don't move, or else that's a moving pick, and they're going to call it. So you set the pick, and then he's going to come around, you're going to get in the ball, and he's going to shoot it wide open, and it's going to be good. It's going to happen. It happened. It worked. Like, exactly. Like, like he inbounded the pass, and he started running around. And, and, and my friend's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, he's doing what I told him to do. And he runs around the pick, and he gets open, and the ball is coming across right to his hands, and he didn't miss it. He caught it, and he took a dribble, and, and it went in. And they won the game. And he said, you know what? That's what he says. He says, you know what, at that, at that point, i got to be honest, I was a little bit amazed. He says, it's not that I didn't know they had the potential to do it. It's, it's, not, it's, it's just, he said, this, this word, I believe with all my heart, is a term that talks about the joy that you feel when somebody gets it right. Jesus is overjoyed because he has come to people that should know him and that should recognize him. And yet those people don't seem to quite get it as much as this guy that's a foreigner. 
This guy, it's an army captain, really gets him. I mean, he really understands his whole power and his whole authority. And, and the guy's like, wow. Jesus is like, man, that, that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. That's great. That's the kind of faith we're, we're talking about. And, and listen, hear, hear Jesus' words clearly. He doesn't say that Israel didn't have any faith. He just, he just said, I haven't found a faith like this yet in Israel. He's not knocking him. I mean, we know they had faith, right? They flocked to him. They had crowds of people coming to be healed. Heal me, I can't see. I mean, those people had faith, clearly, right? I mean, you had friends that brought their paralyzed friend to a house where Jesus was, surrounded by Pharisees, couldn't get in. These guys had the faith. They climbed to the roof, they opened a patch, and they lowered the guy down. You've heard my two cents on that. If I believe Jesus is going to heal him, I'm just going to drop him. Boom. I mean, what? Jesus is going to heal him, right? I mean, what, what, what if he dies? Jesus can handle that one too. <laughs> it's a five story. It's cool. It's Jesus. Bam. <laughs> Later, Fred. <laughs> it's not that people didn't believe, guys. Here's the deal. This guy just had better faith. He just had faith that was on a a different level. And here's the lesson for us in that, guys. There is room for our faith to grow. Because some of us have been doing this a long time and we think, well, we have faith. Well, maybe. But how does our faith compare? Like, do we have that kind of faith where we just are willing to cry out to Jesus? Jesus, just speak the word, man. I don't have to wait for heaven to be healed. You can do this now. Jesus, just say so. Do we have that kind of faith? Because this man did and it set him apart. It's proof that we have room for our faith to grow. Listen, God's grace is amazing. We sing about it all the time. The fact that God could love people like us, that he would send his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins, right? That's, that's, that's truly amazing. We scarce can take that kind of stuff in. God's grace is amazing. It's marvelous. It is. But what this passage teaches us is huge because it says that our faith can be amazing too can be. It can be. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the life of the centurion and the lessons that we learn? Okay. Give you a few things and, and we'll kick you out. Actually not. We're going to ask you to stay for Bible drill, but here we go. Number one, call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. Listen, I know that you don't feel worthy. I know that you think you're too dirty. I know that you think your background is too messed up. I know, I know that you would say to me or some other people in church, you just don't know me. You just don't know what I've done. Oh, listen, This isn't a sin contest. It's not some kind of sin contest where we stand up and we try to show each other we're the bigger sinner. I'm here to tell you that every single sin separates us from a holy God. Every single one. And and, and the Bible says that all have sinned. And and listen, I'm I'm just, you don't have to clean yourself up because you can't. Well, what's the best looking day of your life? Guys, let's talk to the guys. Ladies, you look good all the time, all right? So guys, what's, what's the day that you were killing it, right? Was it your wedding? Was it that day that you were dressed up suit and tie, man? You were just clean and, and look good. Like there's some men I know it wasn't their wedding. You know the best day of their life? They dressed up more than any other. They went on a cruise and they were told they didn't get to eat prime rib unless they wore a suit, right? That was the day. That was the day, right? It wasn't wedding. It was the prime rib. Yep, I'm getting dressed up for this one. Now on the cruise, the fancy night, you take the picture on the staircase. You've been there, I see. On your best day, on your best day, in your best threads, here's what the Bible says, ready? Our best acts of righteousness, our best threads, listen, they are filthy rags to God. 
as good as you can dress yourself up, God says, no, it's like a homeless person. The best you can do. We can't even come close. We can't even come close. So here's the deal. The good news is we're all in the same boat. So stop trying to do it on your own. Stop feeling like you're not good enough for God. Stop feeling like, well, God doesn't want to deal with this. Yeah, God does because he's God and you're not. We sang the song, you are God alone. You, not me. You are God alone. Like, like God wants to be God of you. He actually wants to take his rightful place as the one that reigns, that takes care of all the junk, the one that handles all the problems. He's the one that wants to tell the sun when to come up in your life and and the moon when to come out. He's the one that wants to call out every star in your path. He's the one that wants to tell the seas they can only come this far. He actually, believe it or not, wants to be God of you. That's what he wants. And he'll do it. You just got to call out to him. Just call out to him. He will come. That's what the gospel is all about too. Ask Jesus to say the word. Again, revisit those questions. God, is there anything in my life that needs healing? Is there anything in my life that's on life support? Is there anything that's dying, that's diminishing God? Okay, and here's the deal. Don't just wait till heaven. Don't be that Christian. Don't be that Christian that lives in hurt and pain and suffering. I'm not just talking about disease, guys. Friends, there are some things, I I get it. There there are trials in life, but there's a whole lot of stuff we put up with because we're like too afraid to ask God for help. And he's God. (laughs) Act like it. Just say, God, you've got authority. Just speak that word in my life. God, right now, speak life into my marriage. Right now. God, speak life into my parenting skills. Bless my children's heart. Speak life. God, God speak life in, 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 into my church because they got an idiot for a pastor, right? God, speak life. God, bring back to life this. God, speak life into this. Just, just, just call it. Just speak it. Ask Jesus to say the word. That's a powerful phrase. You, Jesus, who said, let there be light, and the world has never been the same. Let there be hope. Let there be peace. Let there be forgiveness. Let there be grace. Just say the word, Jesus, please. But for some of you, um, maybe I should have done this one. I said this in the early service. Maybe I should have done this one second and the other one third. Some of you, before you can ask Jesus to say the word, you need to ask him to increase your faith. Anybody else? (laughs) Anybody else struggle? They feel like their faith is a little small this morning, right? Anybody? Come on, be honest. Who could use a little more faith? Okay, now, now we're, I'm really, you guys are saints, by the way, that said you could use a little more faith. Uh, I'm looking for the sinners like me. How many of you could use a whole lot more faith? Anybody else? Uh, anybody else realize that they're living on the ground floor and there's still like, like two floors that aren't built yet in your faith house? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there are uncharted territories in my faith home. Uncharted. God, God, increase my faith. God, increase my faith. Like, like crazy levels, let me depend on you in everything. God, increase my faith, okay? That's what we're gonna pray. Guys, would you pray with me this morning as we do this? Uh, Lord, um, you, are, you are crazy good to us. You're way better than we deserve. You are, you're more than we could ever imagine. And, and, and Jesus, our understanding of, of God's word, uh, as we, we try to take you in, and I think we miss you a lot, um, 
Because you're both God and man, and, and it's hard to wrap just manly minds around that. But you are the one that holds everything together. You're the linchpin. You are. And, 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 and for so long, we have been trying to hold it all together. And that's never been your intent for us, ever. We're not the ones meant to hold it all together. You are. And so God, for somebody this morning, would they just give up? Would they just, would they just give in? Would they just call out this morning? Somebody here this morning, just call out. I know they don't feel worthy. I know they feel too dirty for you. But Jesus, would somebody this morning just cry out and say, Jesus, please come. Please come. Please, please just say the word, right? Somebody. Maybe there's somebody here and there's something that they care about is dying. Something they care about. This man cared about his servant. His servant was dying. Somebody, there's a, there's a marriage here. There's a relationship here. There's something going on they care about that is dying. And Lord, I, I just pray this morning you give them the faith to say the word. Jesus, they, they, they would just cry. Jesus, say the word. Speak life into this thing that I care about, please. Some of us, God, we just... Even to get there, even to get there, we need you to increase our faith. People look at us and they think we're faithful. But God, we know we're phonies. We know the storehouse isn't full. So we pray this morning, Lord, would you increase our faith, please? In Jesus' name we ask these things, amen.